Hey everybody, I'm Oriana, aka Ori, and I want to welcome you to the Story by Ori podcast. This podcast is about life and what I'm going through and how I can relate to you. I am a wife, I am a mother, I am an entrepreneur, and I'm a believer, most importantly, of God. And I share my story of just what I'm enduring, um, what God is leading me to do as far as content-wise under my platform, Story Studios, to to ask you all to follow the journey with me. I call it my imperfect journey because we're all imperfect people and we're working together. So tune in. I hope you enjoy. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. Welcome back to another episode of Don't Be a Whippy Christian. We are also live on WAZA 107.7 FM. I am your host, Oriana Coleman. Some of you on my podcast world knows me as Story by Ori. And I just want to highlight another non-whippy Christian, as well as a fellow broadcaster in this world, Mr. Eddie Robinson. How are you today? Good. How are you? I'm doing well. I like I said off off um, camera, and I'll say it again. Thank you again for agreeing to do this. I know you didn't have to, and I truly appreciate Anytime. it. But Anytime. I just want to get right into it. First and foremost, I want to give you your flowers because you're from Mississippi. That's right. And I, I gave you a little bit of background about myself, um, letting you know that my husband and I used to have a show. I don't think I told you the name, but it was called Sip in the Morning. So the reason we called it SIP was because we and we spelled the S-I-P-P to highlight Mississippi. So the Got basis it. of the show was to highlight all these amazing people from Mississippi. And it just feels really good when you hear about someone that's in a whole nother state repping Mississippi. Mm-hmm. So I just want to say kudos. Thank you for repping it. Some people leave and they forget about it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Got that right. I just want to thank you for staying true to, to where you're from and, and remaining humble and being able to, to lend a lifting hand back to people like me. So I, I want to say thank you for that. Anytime. And look, I mean, it, it, it's been a really challenging road in my career as, you know, we'll talk you know about it in, yeah. you know, as we continue, but it's like, Sometimes people just don't necessarily like to tell people that they're from Mississippi, right? You know, it's intense. Uh, but, uh, you know, it is what it is with the state. I was in L.A. and um, I had an internship my junior year. At, I went to Jackson State. Um, I had an internship oh, nice. my junior year at L.A. And um, when I told people, I was the only one there from Mississippi. And when <laughs> I told them where I was from, they asked me, were people still being enslaved? They were See? serious. See? They were dead serious. And I was oh, like, that's they were serious. you think about when you hear Mississippi. And they was like, yeah. They was like, how is it there? Are you okay? <laughs> <laughs> wow. Am I okay? I'm here. You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they act like I ran away. Like you <laughs> Yeah, right, right. It's intense. It's intense. So um I, I want to give you the token if you are if you don't already have it, is like just continue to press um spread positive mm. light about our state. I feel like yeah. you're already doing it because you represent it. And to even represent it says a lot about you as a person already. So just continue to do that. Let's talk about those days because when I was talking to Miss Susan Dowdy about you, she was saying, um, she mentioned some of the accolades that you had even in the Macomb School District. So let's talk about that. It's funny because, you know, when I was 
a little, you know, when I was younger, I, I was embarrassed, you know, nervous to even tell anyone that I was from Mississippi. Yeah. Um, and, you know, growing up and, you know, finally like graduating and then hitting college and then living my life as a young adult, mm-hmm. I started to kind of, you know, all right. I just, well, just, yeah, let people know. <laughs> um, but, but yeah, this year, 2021 is, you know, the 30th year of our class, uh, class in 1991. And I was our class president and it was a very intense year at that time, the early nineties. And I certainly had no idea what I wanted to do. Um, but I had a lot of, you know, amazing opportunities and options, mm-hmm. which even in and of itself was just a blessing, which was great. But um, I really loved radio. And my parents, uh, my mom and dad at the time, they were like, you know, you're going to be an engineer, you're going to be a doctor, you're going to be a <laughs> lawyer, you're going to be this, that, you are not going to be on the radio. But I had my first radio broadcast career started as a 10th grader mm-hmm. at Macomb and 10th grade, 11th grade, and 12th grade, I just really loved it. Um, on top of, you know, band practice and football, um, all kinds of activities, I just really loved radio. But, of course, you know, I went into a different route and, and studied engineering. So that's, that's what I did when I uh, finished uh, high school. But interestingly enough, Ori, I had to get away from Mississippi. <laughs> I was like, I had to go been there. Yeah, I had to get away. I had to get away. And but interestingly enough, I was watching the Cosby show. And then that show that came on after the Cosby show was a different world. Mm -hmm. And it really inspired me to hit an HBCU. Mm -hmm. And I would I, I was thinking about Howard. I was thinking about, you know, places outside of Mississippi, of course, um, I did not want to go to Jackson State. I did not want to go to Tougaloo. How dare you? I, I know, I know. But uh, I had a lot of family who attended those those schools. Uh-huh. But I really had uh, an, an eye set on Prairie View. They had this pre engineering program, and I did not want my parents to be out of a you know, out of any kind of money whatsoever. Understood. And so I felt like I needed to do something that will allow me and allow my parents to breathe. They won't have to worry about paying for anything mm-hmm. and myself included. So I decided to do this pre-engineering thing to get the, you know, to test out of whether or not I wanted to get into engineering. And luckily I, you know, well, thankfully and prayerfully, uh, I got this full scholarship, this full tuition paid scholarship from the Exxon Mobil company. And the only caveat that they had was that I had to work four internships with them each summer Mm-hmm. I had to work um, and do these internships, and they were fun. They were exciting. Um, I was just kind of bored, Ori. I was just bored. I really did not necessarily like engineering, so the first thing that I did, where's the radio station? And that's exactly <laughs> what I did. I worked at KPVU, the campus radio station over at Prairie mm-hmm. and that really sort of started my, that talk element, that talk show element of of working um, on the uh, on the air and bringing in guests and talking about incidents and situations on the campus and that kind of thing. Gotcha, gotcha. I mean, in the field that we're in, this broadcasting world, mm-hmm. everyone can't do it. That's a true. lot of people think that they can. A lot of people think that they can put a camera up and, you know, start talking. But I have noticed, especially when my husband and I got the show with WAPA, yeah. 
some people don't even even if you don't have a camera they don't want to be put on a mic like what we're doing is a gift god has given us this gift and it's our duty to fulfill it and we have to be the voice for the voiceless we that's have right. to be people that's gonna say what needs to be said not what people want to be said but what needs to be said um have those sometimes uncomfortable um conversations with each other people of our color people who are not our color like a diverse create the diversity and create a healthy environment that we need to see so i'm glad that you continue to listen to that inner voice that was like you need to do it. it kept nudging you i know it was <laughs> it, it was it, yeah it was really like a bug you know and you know like i be trying to sweat it and it won't go away exactly <laughs> exactly yeah. and that and, and it actually ended up being like this beautiful beautiful black butterfly mm -hmm. that happened in i would say 1997 this wonderful wonderful woman by the name of renee mccall mm -hmm. and it was just to kind of quickly back up at Prairie View, they had these college concerts that would come, you know, uh -huh. Jodice. I remember Jodeci popped up one year. It was <laughs> crazy. Um, but one particular group called the Sounds of Blackness came on our campus and it was just mind blowing because I love these duo, this production duo, Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis. Mm -hmm. And they brought this, gospel singing choir called the sounds of blackness no one really had really never heard of them but they had this one song called optimistic and when i first heard that song i was like this is my anthem this is my life's anthem nothing in the world will compare to this song so i lived my life things like you know i've graduated prairie view everything was wonderful went to minnesota worked there um but it wasn't until in 97 that i had an opportunity to go to a church out in uh, St. Paul. And it was this, uh, I, I had heard that the Sounds of Blackness conductor, the guy Gary Hines, yeah. who was doing this choir over, you know, in, in this church in St. Paul, I decided to go to there, you know, go there to just to kind of shake his hand and say, you know what, I love your song, Optimistic, and <laughs> shake his hand. But so after the church service, I go up to him, you know, of course, I'm really nervous. Um, and, you know, by that time I was an engineer, nothing in broadcasting, of course, but um, I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do out of life. But I was just wanting to meet Gary Hines and shake his hand. And Gary says something and, and basically says, Joel, you, so, oh, yeah, I didn't realize you're an engineer at 3M. Well, you know, our president of the Sounds of Blackness, she works as an architect at 3M. Mm. I said, what? <laughs> I just went completely insane, ran to our, like, 3M uh, database of names to try to find out where she was inside. It was around 5, 5.30 at night, you know, on a Monday night, that Monday after Sunday. And I saw her sitting at her architect desk and I said, Renee? And she said, yes. And that sparked this amazing um, conversation about them being these this Grammy Award winning team, this Grammy Award winning artist. Yeah. I couldn't believe that she was working as an engineer at 3M, but it took her to sit me down and to tell me that I needed to shoot for my dreams. I need to shoot for what I really loved in life. We 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 both shared tears of what was going on in our lives. And I think what I did 
what my responsibility at 3M, she actually quit her job as an architect and moved to our department of, you know, optimized engineering. It was like a project management department that allowed you to sort of like do some traveling and whatnot. And she had, she wanted to do that, you know, and she wanted to do more traveling. And so she jumped into our department, but I decided to jump out of the department altogether and quit 3M based on her um, encouragement. And she just really, really um, just helped me pull back in that drive, that, that desire of broadcasting. And when my first gig came up at CBS News, I was working with Brian Gumbel and Jane Clayson on the early show. Mm-hmm. And this was around the year 2000. And I think I, I got a phone call and someone had told me that Renee McCall had passed. She was 35 years old of breast cancer. Mm. And at the time I, I, was, I, was, I had an office and I shut that door and I just collapsed on the floor. Mm. And I knew that I had to dedicate this entire journey, this entire mission to her. Because yeah. if it weren't for her, there's no telling where I would be right now. Um, yeah. And I'm just really thankful that she came into my life and just really sort of pushed me and inspired me to get into broadcasting. And we need those kind of people in we our do. lives. We do. Um, it's so funny that you mentioned someone who has passed to be your inspiration to keep going. Cause you know, I mentioned before we started the conversation that I lost my first friend. Well, yeah. we actually interviewed him on WAZA. He was on the show. Oh, wow. Yeah. He was on the show. And the same, the last day that we, we did our farewell show was the same day he passed. And I told myself that I was going to keep going for him because Mm. he was so happy that day that we interviewed him. He was the type of person where he wasn't perfect. None of us are, but his, his past and his sins were broadcasted more than others. I'll say Mm. that like being in jail and things of that nature, people knew of it. Um, And after he got out, after he got out of jail, he was just trying to, he was trying his best to live a better life than he then from what he did before he went to jail. And it's like, you know, there's people in our lives that no matter how much we change, they just remind us of who we used to be. So he had that, he was fighting it. And, um, you know, just trying to be the best person. And of course, still making mistakes along the way, but trying to still learn from them and move forward. Mm -hmm. But to make a long story short, when he was on the radio show that day, that Mm -hmm. was the most interesting interview my husband and I had ever had. He, we barely said words because he had this story. He told us the story of like how he, how he went to jail, what happened, what he's been trying to do since he's been out. It was, it was sad. It was funny. It was interesting. Wow. It, we learned things like it was so many different elements in one hour sure. that we had him there. Wow. And we were right. literally saying the day we were doing our farewell show that, um, that he was our most interesting guest. And he was like, we got to bring him back for part two because that's how long he talked. We barely, we didn't get wow. far. And we told him <laughs> we'll bring him back for part two. And that's when we found out maybe an hour later that he passed. So I said it to say that that's what he is for me. That's what he is for me to know that he was so proud that day for us to be a light for him. That's I right. got to do that for more people. I got to make sure that more stories are told because there's so many people out there that their story could save a life, but that's our job to find a story so we, people can hear it and someone's life can change just by hearing a word of encouragement like Miss Renee gave you. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I, that's why 
I called her Black Butterfly. It's, it's one of those songs that they had released on one of their albums, but she really was. She really was that, um, that touch, mm-hmm. you know, that I needed to have at that time. You know, I, 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 and, it, and she came at the right moment. Yeah. Um, do you know what I'm saying? And um, it, was, it was at a moment where I didn't know where I was going to turn to. And I was, and, you know, the brother you're talking about, you know, I was, I've been there myself in terms of, you know, those dark spots, those dark areas where you do not have anyone to turn to. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I've been in those situations where, you know, I've, I've grown up, you know, an only child in Mississippi, being in a situation where I had no idea who to turn to. Mm-hmm. My mom, my dad, you know, they worked enormously. Um, and, you know, they were trying to put a roof on over my head. But my dad, my dad in and of itself, you know, he represented strength. He represented courage. He represented a work ethic unlike no other. And, you know, he, uh, he, it was all about others with my father and specifically it was all about young children and he'd do anything for students and those who had, you know, potentially wanted to do something big and, and mm-hmm. greater than themselves. He was there and he was setting out to support them. And so right before he passed away, we had a conversation um, about my life and what I was all about and what I was trying to accomplish and what he supported and what he didn't support mm-hmm. um because in 2007 i had come out to him as gay and he had no idea my parents didn't have any idea um and they just thought that it would be a phase yeah but it never occurred to them that i would have you know an interest in being attracted to other men yeah. and when i came out to them both my mom and dad shut me out they did not communicate with me for a year and I knew that I had to leave this planet. There was absolutely no way for me to continue my life. Mm. And, um, you know, growing up with no siblings, no one to confide in, you know, it hurt, you know. Um, fast forward, um, I, you know, it was my father who broke the silence. And he eventually, you know, reached out to me and said, you know what? We love you, and we want you to always, you know, accomplish whatever you want to accomplish in life. We will continue to worry about you, mm-hmm. and no sooner than, I'd say about six or seven months prior to his unexpected uh, death, yeah. uh, he and I had a uh, conversation, and I had promised him that he'd be a grandfather someday, because mm-hmm. I felt like that was what was really kind of eating away at him, because yeah. he wanted to kind of be a granddad, you know? Um, but his heart stopped unexpectedly before, you know, that could ever happen. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I recently stepped into this risk mode of, of becoming um, surrogacy uh, intended parent. And so I've jumped into the process of surrogacy. You know, okay. that's when a woman has an arrangement with the intended parent to mm-hmm. actually carry the child. And she basically supplies the oven, so to speak. Yeah. And so... This has been an incredible journey, an incredible challenging journey, one that I had no idea that I would partake in, but I felt like this was the perfect opportunity for me to keep my legacy of my father alive. Um, He passed away in 2018. And so this show that I have, um, 
that I'm currently working at now at Houston Public Media. It's called ICU. Mm-hmm. And one of our episodes of ICU will, in fact, um, talk about that journey. And it will be a full hour of intense conversations with, um, n- namely, my mother. <laughs> and, you know, she has um, never, you know, really on some level talked about any of this with anyone. And so, my mother and I had this incredible conversation about what all of this means. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I'm trying to be a dad, Ori. You know, I've, I've opted to go through surrogacy. This journey really has been intense, especially financially. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, with surrogacy, uh, for your listeners, just so that they are aware, you know, I'm not covered by insurance. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, when you're trying to be a dad, you know, as a man, a single man, mm-hmm. a single man who's black, a single man who's gay and black, mm-hmm. someone who's an only child, no siblings, you know, grew up in, you know, with, you know, when I was growing up in Mississippi, I had no one to confide in. Each layer of the surrogacy journey gets more and more and more stressful. So it's a chance to challenge the stereotype of black men not stepping up to the plate to take care of their responsibilities as a father. And so you have someone who's willing to move heaven and earth and his credit history to becoming a father. And it's a very intense and personal journey. And I'm hoping that um, everyone gets an opportunity to um, listen to it on ICU and on icushow.org. Got you. I will definitely be listening to it as well. Um, So many different layers that you have, you have just let out, but I'm, I'm, I'm thankful for that, Eddie, because when I interview someone, I, I literally say that. I tell people, I don't want this to feel like a question and answer type of conversation. I really okay. want to forget that the cameras are even on. Okay. I want to forget that we're on a mic. I want people to know you. You know, I don't want yeah. the facade that people see or the or the flyer that we like. You have a nice flyer. It says, "I see you." I love it. The color scheme. I love it. Flyer. Huh. <laughs> That's a nice yeah. picture of you. I love it. But I want people to see beyond the, the picture because mm. you're not perfect, and you have been through some things. And you mentioned right. um, wanting to, wanting to end it all, and oh, it, yeah. I'm so glad that you didn't. I'm so glad that you didn't. I, I'm so glad that you are crossing barriers that you you honestly don't have to cross you don't have to choose to want to become a father you you don't have to do that but you're right. literally choosing to <laughs> you mentioned right. not just finances but your credit history all of that you put everything <laughs> at risk for this but i That's really right. believe that that child in the end is going to be the beautiful blessing that Aww. reminds you that it's worth that it's worth it this is coming from a lady that almost had a baby eight weeks ago i mean that had a baby almost eight weeks ago <laughs> Oh yeah, like yeah. She'll my my daughter will be wow. um, two months on June 9th. So That's if, if by the time people are listening, so today when we record this is June fourth, twenty twenty one. But you never know when people are listening. You never know. So, yeah, you never, you never know. know. That's back, right. You never know. That's right. So in twenty twenty one, my daughter was almost two months old on June fourth. Wow. On June 9th, twenty twenty one, my daughter will be two months. And awesome. I look at them, her and her brother that's two years old right now, and they remind me that it's all worth it. So from a parent to a future parent, you're gonna be okay. <laughs> Love it. Thank you. I need that. I need yes. that. Yeah. You're gonna be fine. I wanna um I wanna I wanna talk about 
what you're doing right now with RCU. You know, give yeah. me a few more details about it. Yeah, um, it's just something that really um, I am so excited about. Mm-hmm. And it all started George Floyd's death, right? I mean, yeah. the power of the camera in the year 2020. That's what drew me to want to have conversations about these incidents. But for the fact that a bystander, right, who had the ability to record on her phone, Mm -hmm. we would not be having these conversations right now about George Floyd, Ori. Mm -hmm. You know, incidents where cameras mattered, you know, we would not be having these conversations. And, And then how these phones, these cameras, these incidents become viral. Mm-hmm. And the messages, the optics, the visuals start to become ingrained in our brains. All somewhat similar to um, Emmett Till and her mother. I mean, his mother and what she did in saying, "Look, I want the world to see my son. Yeah, see what he looks like." Yeah. And so, with all of these images and these visuals, before you know it, an incident that struck a nerve in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Mm-hmm. instantly transforms a world in a matter of days. Idiot. And so that really what triggered the concept and the idea of wanting to have these uncomfortable conversations, as you mentioned, um, you know, and, and plus it all just kind of came into, into vision, especially with Sandra Bland and what happened to her and, you know, on the campus of Prairie View, you know, I see you, really is an extension of a master's degree from New York University. I picked up a master's degree when I was living in New York City. Congratulations. And well, thank you, but it was a very intense degree because it looked at how media, technology, and communication Mm. are all impacting and affecting so much of our human interactions, how it's all interacting our environments. And folks and philosophers like Marshall McLuhan, this one guy, Neil Postman, who actually taught a class that I attended when I was at NYU, these philosophers, these researchers, back in the day, they warned us about how these tools, these phones, these devices, like the internet, for instance, will soon one day take control of our lives. They will become the answer and they will become the problem as we continue to live our lives. And they put together this massive curricula about media, what's called media ecology. Mm-hmm. And that in and of itself just threw me in a loop because after that two-year program, I was like, I don't want to work in media anymore. I don't want to work in journalism because we were taking classes like manufacturing news, mm-hmm. um, sociological propaganda, political propaganda. These were very intense courses. And I was like, you know what? Let's just plow forward. Let's just make this happen. And that's when CBS News called. And then all of a sudden, I just started working at CNN's New York One, mm-hmm. um, you know, uh, MTV Networks, uh, WNYC, which was the New York public radio uh, station that was over there. I was just getting all these incredible opportunities. And so ICU is really a massive experimental portion of all the experiences that I've worked on and what sh- and the ideas that I had in my brain in New York finally coming into fruition with this podcast. And the title, ICU, is inspired um, 
It's inspired by this uh, writer in Little Rock, Arkansas, and he has this quote that says, you are a reflection of your people, regardless of what anybody says. And so, Ori, that tells me that wherever you go, whatever you do, whatever your husband does, whatever anyone does, people will see you. People will see them by their face, by your race, by your ethnicity, by your ancestors. They will stereotype you. They will prejudge you by your actions. So it could be true what they judge, what what they prejudge. It could be false. Mm -hmm. But this show is getting at the heart of understanding who we are as individuals so that we can live better amongst ourselves as a community. And it offers up um, this poem because when I was little, I was reading Langston Hughes a lot. And he had this poem called I Too. Mm-hmm. And it offers up this theme of freedom, adding that, you know, finally, we get to have a seat at the table. Finally. It's about time. I hope you all are enjoying this episode of Don't Be a Whippy Christian with my guest, Eddie Robinson. Continue listening to hear a snippet of his show, I See You. Eddie Robinson here, talk show host, executive producer of I See You at NPR in Houston. And, um, yeah, I can give you some details and insight on... The latest episode featuring actress Ingenue Ellis. So NAACP, NAACP Image Award nominee and film actress Ingenue Ellis speaks candidly with yours truly, Eddie Robinson. Um, being both native of the same hometown of Macomb, Mississippi, our conversation on ICU will be about racism discrimination, and the role that the state of Mississippi has played in both of our lives. Um, it's, it's very provocative. It's a very um, revealing, unguarded conversation. And you've seen Ingenue Ellis before. You've seen her in movies like The Help, Ray, you know, that Jamie Foxx film about Ray Charles. Uh, she played Maddie Moss Clark in the Clark Sisters series on Lifetime. She played in another movie, If Beale Street Could Talk the Netflix film, When They See Us, HBO's Lovecraft Country. I mean, Ingenue, she's been in so many amazing films and TV series. It's it's crazy. And she's been in the business for almost 30 years. And she's about to star in a new movie opposite of Will Smith coming out this fall about the tennis stars Venus and Serena Williams called King Richard, where Ingenue plays the wife of Richard Williams, who's Venus and Serena's dad. So, yeah, we're talking about, you know, being from Mississippi. Coming from Mississippi is one thing, but coming from Macomb is a solid narrative in and of itself, right? I mean, this city was the site of extreme violence by the Ku Klux Klan and other opponents to the civil rights movement um, that had been taking place back in the day. And our conversation, um, both Ingenue and I, we speak about all of that and how our upbringing in the South particularly growing up in Macomb, really prepared us or equipped us with this added perspective, with a deeper insight of how we would respond to situations of racism, situations of social injustice. And so another aspect of what the actress describes is this notion of black exhaustion. You know, like we're tired of fighting for our rights. 
You know, she describes an era that happened in the early 70s. For instance, Anjanu's grandfather's church was one of the structures that had been bombed back in the 60s. These incidents pushed black Americans, particularly in Mississippi, to fight for equality under the law, right? To eliminate Jim Crow laws of the South. And that energy was passed on to their children. And so that late 60s, early 70s period was when, you know, Ingenue shares with us of when she was born, that there existed this sense of exhaustion, like the civil rights movement, the legislation built out of all of that, the assassinations that came from that era of the 60s. It, it really exhausted the black community, our relatives back in the day, you know, coming up into the early 70s, mid 70s. She says the mentality of many black Americans back then on, in those days, they just wanted to have this mentality of just, you know, let's just go to church and have a good time. You know, we're tired of fighting. That spirit of advocacy was just erased. And so when you've had moments of travel, you know, she went to school in Mississippi and then she traveled out. You know, when you get to see and witness other places outside of Mississippi, when you've had those moments of seeing things differently, of experiencing things differently, of interacting and engaging with different people, you see who they are, right? You get a glimpse of their cultures. You get a taste of their own reflections of their identities. And when you come from Mississippi, there's this intuition, you know, there's this gut feeling, a vibe that helps you, or if I could speak for myself, um, coming from Mississippi and coming from Macomb especially, it helps me to steer my course of action because there's this DNA of perseverance, of grit, of fight, of determination, right? Because we're so accustomed to these notions of racism. You know, it reminds me of this old quote from Shirley Chisholm. And the quote reads, racism is so universal in this country, so widespread and deep-seated that it is invisible because it is so normal. And that's intense. You know, once we come of age, once we get to a point in our lives where we say enough is enough, that's when the healing begins. That's when the extraordinary works start to unfold. The power of our purpose really starts to become clearly defined. The vision comes into focus. And so I do believe ICU has that resonance. And it has that remarkable journey of taking people on and Ingenue did a great job of just kind of taking us through her life, her life story. And it was just really fascinating and extremely revealing. So we're really excited about this particular episode with Ingenue Ellis. Now, about um, the show in and of itself with ICU, uh, I think there are some people out there who really are finally interested in having these uncomfortable conversations, which is really what ICU is all about, right? Um, I think there are people out there, especially black voices, but those people of color, those who've been marginalized in some form or fashion, those of varying creeds and nationalities, there may even be some white Americans who may have backgrounds that, that may pose an opportunity for them to learn more about who they are, how they were raised, whatever that is that served as a way to help them understand what guided them in the decisions that they've made and their behaviors, whether it be, you know, uh, Native Americans, Asian Americans, Hispanic Americans. You know, we um, allow those voices to be heard 
on ICU. And to capture that, that's where our show comes in. There's someone on the other side, a talk show host, who's genuinely interested in who these people are, right? I mean, what their perspectives are, what their viewpoints are. And it makes all the sense in the world to be open, to be honest, to be engaged, to be candid. And when you're honest, when you're unguarded, when you're allowed to be vulnerable, then guess what? Those conversations become more fruitful. They become more engaging. They become more interesting. That's when people really see you, right? I mean, we finally get to see who you really are as a human being, you know, when you're open, you know, when you're allowed to be vulnerable, uh, when you're hidden, when you don't quite tell us what you really think, then, you know, you leave us no choice but to get a false impression of who you are or what your motives really are in all of this, right? I mean, when... When a person constantly brings up falsehoods or misguided information that might give off a certain spin or it sounds too good to be true, then guess what? You know, it probably is, right? Uh, I think many of us, some people, especially people or folks from the deep south, can sort of pinpoint whether or not a person is genuine or not, right? I mean, whether or not a person really has your back, whether or not a person who's supportive. And that's one thing that I do treasure and cherish about being a Mississippian, especially being from the Deep South. Um, and it's, it's, you know, some would argue that the South is really the origin of Black American culture. It's that, it's that pain, it's that hurt, that misery, that sorrow of, 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 of being a slave figuring out that history that many of us still don't quite know yet. Slavery existed, of, I'm sure, up, up, up north, back in the day. You know, black men and women have all lived, you know, across our great nation, all over the place back in the day. But when you, when you look long and hard at the South, you know, the, the trauma, the struggle, the power, the liberation movements that happened in the South, you get to see a people that's strong, that's bold, you know, that are determined to fight for what's right. You get to see that role of black churches, of what they played in the South, the role of black churches. You get to see and hear the sounds of the kinds of rhythm and blues that extracted out of gospel music from those black churches in the South, right? And I mean, you find yourself inspired and encouraged by being from the South and what makes the black South so strong. Uh, so, yeah, it's, it's a very powerful episode um, that we have with Anjanue Ellis, and we'll be focusing more on our connection to Macomb, Mississippi in this episode. Next week's episode, we'll dive even more into the hardships of being from Mississippi and how that impacted my life, my career, personally. We'll dive into my personal journey of uh, what it's like growing up in Macomb and, and what I went through um, in my life. Um, and then there's also a future episode that we'll do, more than likely it'll um, appear sometime in July. Uh, we just won't let Mississippi go, right? We'll have, an, we have, a, we'll have an incredible conversation with a young woman by the name of Nashley Cephas. She's an artificial intelligence researcher at Amazon in Atlanta, but she's developing a multi-million dollar innovation hub for business leaders and entrepreneurs in downtown Jackson.
You know, that's where she's from. So you have this extraordinary human being that is rebuilding and restoring a part of her hometown, her history that she's redefining, right? And I'm giving her a platform to express herself so that we get to learn more about who she is as an individual, what makes her who she is today as a black woman with a PhD in computer science. That's powerful. And you know, we'll be sharing her stories and narratives on ICU during the month of July. So that's basically ICU. You can find us um, on Saturdays at 1 p.m. Central every Saturday on HoustonPublicMedia.org. The show also re-airs on Sunday nights at 10 o'clock, and you can listen to it via stream, HoustonPublicMedia.org. We're asking everyone to please go to our website, I-S-E-E-U-Show.org. That's I-C-U-Show.org. Hit subscribe to download our podcast through whatever service you choose to download your podcast, whether it be Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Drive, or whatever. Download and subscribe to ICU with Eddie Robinson. You can follow us on Facebook, ICU Radio Show, and Twitter at ISEEU Show. Seriously, thank you so much for this opportunity. And, and um, I really am grateful for this moment to um, tell you about my show. And um, please interact and engage with our show. We'd love to hear from our fellow Mississippians. And I hope to represent Macomb and hope to represent Mississippi the best way that I possibly can. Thank you. You just said a plethora of things of what ICU brings to the podcasting world. Yes. Um, one of the main things that, that really hits my, hits my noggin, I don't know if that's the word that came out. But I, but I thought, <laughs> one of the things that come to mind to me is just that word uncomfortable. Mm. And how these things are going to, these topics and these conversations are going to really make us think and question things and challenges to um, just challenge us to be better, you know, yes. to really, to really um, put ourselves in someone else's shoes and things of that nature. So I look forward to getting into listening to the podcast and especially the upcoming episodes, especially the one with your mom that yes. you're going to have. But yes. since we are both busy, busy, we're just going to have to reconvene with each other to continue this conversation. But before I end this part of our conversation, I just want to end with a prayer. Is there any prayer request that you have? Or if you would like to lead it, you're free to do so. Oh, you're definitely going to lead it. And <laughs> I would definitely like to just um, my mother and uh, this newborn. Um, gotcha. That's that's that's. Um, uh, the, the plan is in August that this baby is due. So okay. please, by all means, if there's an opportunity to have those two incredible individuals in this prayer, I could totally use it. <laughs> I got you. I got you. And you know that God has you no matter what. Absolutely. Let's That's go right. Yes, ma'am. Father God, we come to you first and foremost saying thank you. Thank you for this time. Thank you for introducing me to another great individual, um, someone that's in a similar world as me, Mr. Eddie. Lord, I just pray that you continue to lead and guide him in everything that you're doing in his life, Lord. I want to say a special prayer for his mother. Lord, thank you for her being his rock, Lord, for her just being, um, he doesn't notice, but she 
she is extremely proud and she brags about her son a lot <laughs> in the home community lord i just ask mm. that you continue to lead and guide her lord i ask you to bless that conversation that they're mm. going to have that's going to air on his icu podcast lord not only do i ask you to bless that conversation more but bless his podcast let it reach mm. the ears that need to, to to reach lord um the people let it impact their lives the way they need to be impacted lord he has a lot of things on him as a black man and not just a black man but a man that's in this world to tell a voice lord and a man that that likes the same sex lord i truly believe and i know that you love all of us and we come from all different types of background and i know that he's still considered your child he is your child there's no consideration to it he is your child so i ask that you continue to lead and guide him and also another layer that he's added on him is that he wants to be a father lord and he's going through the trials and tribulations that it's gonna that he's partaking to become one lord and i pray for the safe delivery of his newborn in august lord i pray that he can be the father that you've intended him to be and to feel the promise that he gave his belated father of him becoming a grandfather lord i pray that his his father is just another angel in heaven watching over him now and that he will see that grandson even though he's in on the other side he will still be happy that his son fulfilled the wish that he gave him Lord, I just want to thank you for this conversation. I pray that it's fruitful. I pray that we both gain something that we can take um, beyond this conversation and give to other people and it be like a domino effect. We give you all the glory and praise and honor. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Beautiful. Thank you so much, Mr. Robinson. I really appreciate it. Like thank I said, you. we will reconvene. Um, we want to apologize Absolutely. for any technical difficulty, difficulties it's that great. you heard, but we will reconvene. I'll have part two with Mr. <laughs> Robinson. You have a great day, Mr. Robinson. We'll talk soon. You too, Ori. Thank Bye. you so much. Bye-bye.